You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie, and today we have a repeat offender. Sinane is back to talk some shit with me. Hi, Sinane. Hi, thanks for having me again. Yeah, oh, I yeah. live to talk shit, so. <laughs> Amen, me too. I'm currently in a Instagram battle with a not-so-smart person on Instagram, which kind of makes me feel bad, but at the same time, it doesn't. I mean, some days you just wake up a little bit pettier than other days, and I think that's okay. I agree. Yesterday was the day. She... You, I think you saw it. Like, it's the same girl, the Faith whatever, on Instagram. And she just, like, the most recent comment was, like, Christianity is not a religion. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, I just I, keep poking fun at her now because it's funny. Yeah. But it, you're not going to make any progress, so it's really just uh, for yeah. your own amusement. Exactly. Which, um, cancel me. That's fine. But I'm having a good time. You coming on my video to talk shit? I don't think so, homie. Um, anyways, talking shit. Today we are talking about Jason Aldean. I know. I know. I mean, I think as a city person, his new song, Try That in a Small Town, is very much like, okay, so everything that we thought was true, like... <laughs> Yeah, no. So as not a city person, as a small town person, <laughs> yeah. uh, I can I have much to say about Jason Aldean. Okay. Um, I guess just like, for anybody who's been living under a rock and is not familiar <laughs> with like, the controversy of like, why we're talking about Jason Aldean, which is a thing that I never thought I would be talking about on a podcast. Amen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is life? I mean, I know. <laughs> publicly speaking about Jason Aldean. Um, he wrote a song called Try That in a Small Town, uh, which has received a lot of backlash um, from various parts of, you know, people uh, because people are calling it a lynching song. People are calling it a white supremacy song. And obviously Jason Aldean denies all of this. Um, but he's wrong. So... <laughs> <laughs> Um, the lyrics, which I did like look up and like write down before this, mm -hmm. uh, very specifically are the, the, the most offensive lyrics that I yeah. picked out were try that in a, well, first off the music video, if you oh, haven't God. seen it, yep. I'm not going to tell you to go watch it. Cause I don't want to feed the algorithm for Jason Aldean, but, mm -hmm. um, it's video of Jason Aldean on the steps of the Maury County courthouse mm -hmm. singing his song interspersed with video clips of protests and the lyrics are basically like spitting on a cop burning a flag like you're all terrible people um but then the chorus is try that in a small town see how far you make it down the road mm -hmm. which is just very violent-y mm -hmm. um you cross that line, it won't take long for you to find out. Got a gun that my granddad gave me. Good luck. <laughs> and uh, talking about small towns full of good old boys raised up right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the first big issue for the controversy is that this courthouse, and I might not be saying the county name right, Maori, Maury County, it's in Tennessee. Um, back in 1927, there was an 18-year-old Black boy named Henry Choate, I might be saying his name wrong, accused of assaulting a white girl. He was jailed. A white mob kidnapped him out of prison uh, and, like, trigger warning, just this is awful, um, dragged him behind a car and then hung him in front of this courthouse back in mm. 1927. He was one of at least 20 Maury County lynchings, um, and there were more than 230 statewide from 1877 to 1950. Um, so this very specific courthouse has a very specific history of lynching Mm -hmm. and of course the aldine people said that they did not know about this history when they chose it as a video site um but in conjunction with the lyrics which people are also claiming is very sundown town Mm -hmm. um see how far you make it down the road um and again for anybody who doesn't know a sundown town um, were towns in the you know the Bible Belt, the South, where they literally had signs in and out of the city saying, "If you are a person of color, uh, do not be in this city after the sun goes down, or else you know yeah. we will kill you." Um, and these towns still exist. They may not have the fucking signs anymore, but they still exist. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I'm in South Carolina, and I know people of color who have told me that when they leave. Because the city that we're in, they stay on the highway and they go straight to wherever it is that they're going. And that if they mm-hmm. have a car problem, they are legitimately afraid. Um, so these things are still very much like, you know, a thing. But <laughs> just just the try that in a small town, see how far you make it down the road. Is It's very reminiscent mm-hmm. of sundown towns and lynching and the history of the courthouse and all this put together um it's very hard to ignore and when jason aldean was asked about this one of his reactions i wrote down his uh his response was try that in a small town for me refers to the feeling of a community that i had growing up where we took care of our neighbors regardless of differences or of background or belief so that's what the song means to him but we shoot taking people care of that neighbors. don't like cops. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, it, it's about taking care of your neighbors. And I don't see how I've got a gun from my granddad. Good luck is, you know, encouraging neighborliness. You know, mm-hmm. it, it is a call to violence. It is, it is a, and I think that it is a, not hilarious, but it's like absolutely hilarious. If you juxtapose this song with, one of the newer songs that like just came out from Dolly Parton. I don't know. Have you heard her um, world world's on fire? No. Mm, Okay. So (laughs) love Dolly Parton. And, and again, when you're talking about country music, right. You know, like Dolly is literally the queen. Um, She is also a good Christian woman. She's a white Christian mega country star from you know, as small of a town as you can get <laughs> from a very small town um and her 
lyrics dealing with the same exact topic of, you know, of this great social divide between like the left and the right and, uh, you know, public violence and protests and all this stuff, literally a song about the same exact thing. And her lyrics were, um, how do we heal this great divide? Can we rise above? Can we show some love? Uh, do we just give up or make a change? Time to break the spell in heaven's name. Uh, when did we lose in God we trust? Let's rise above, lend a hand, heal the hurt, let kindness work. Mm. You know, and like what what a complete contrast. Mm -hmm. to, and, and Jason Aldean is saying like, oh, my song is about community. Absolutely not. When you have somebody who's actually out here representing everything that you say that you represent, you know, just completely blowing you out of the water. And, you know, I think it's funny too, because the whole song from Jason Aldean is about try that in a small town. And uh, Jason Aldean is from Macon, Georgia. I looked this up. <laughs> Macon, Georgia yep. has a population currently of over like 150,000 people. Yep. 150,000 people. Okay. I am from a small town, Jason Aldean. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, how fucking dare you? Yeah. Um, my small town and even for small towns, my small town isn't that small. 16,000 people. That's he's got <laughs> he's got 10 times this he's from a small town. That's like saying he's like he's from the outskirts of Miami and saying he's coming from coming from yep. a small town. Like absolutely not, Jason Aldean. Mr. Jason Aldean. You're from the burbs, homie. <laughs> yeah, like a hundred. I just I literally cannot even. Okay. Like I am from an actual small town. Like 15,000 people now. Um, he was born in Jason Aldean was born in 1977, I think. I looked it up. And even when he was a child, all right? So I looked it up for how big was Macon when he was when he was a wee, wee Aldean. Um, and it was still over 100,000 people. Like, literally, <laughs> what are you even talking about? Okay. Um, like, I, I remember when my town got an Olive Garden. All right. Like, mm -hmm. that's, like, that's how small we're talking about. And I went so petty with this. We got our Olive Garden in 2008. I was in high school. <laughs> I remember when we got this Olive This was like a this is like how you know you've made it as a small town. Yes. Right? Um, Macon, Georgia got their Olive Garden in 1987. Mm. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Olive Garden didn't even exist before 1982. So like they were on the, the cutting edge of, Forefront you know, of cuisine. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, he says he's from, like that, you know how they, I, I don't know if you're actually familiar with this, but like I'm from Florida. So, um. We talk a lot about hurricanes. Mm -hmm. And uh, are you aware of like the Waffle House? Oh, the Waffle House Index. It's a FEMA index too now. Yeah, I'm yes. aware. <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know, if there's like a hurricane or a natural disaster, literally like public agencies will gauge how bad the disaster is based off of how many Waffle Houses have closed. Mm -hmm. Because Waffle House does not close. Like they literally, when there were really bad storms and things, they discovered that certain Waffle Houses like didn't even have keys. Like they mm -hmm. couldn't lock them because they just have never been closed. Um, and, you know, so like that's that's your metric for like natural disaster. You know, I to me, yep. like the metric for a, you know, small town, big town is like, how much, when did you get your Olive Garden, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, but like he's not from a small town. Yeah. He's not. Um, and he's singing this whole song, which is nothing but just dog whistles and plausible deniability. Mm -hmm. You know, well, I didn't say 
like, oh, you should go shoot people with your granddad's gun. I didn't call for violence. Oh, so we're just going to threaten people? What's the point of the gun then? Yeah, exactly. Well, he's like, well, and like, they're so dumb that like, you know, if it's not explicitly stated, then they're like, oh, then like, oh, nobody knows what I'm saying. And then, <laughs> um, but it's, it's literally just dog whistles and, you know, cause like I saw a post about this and it said, you know, all of these like white evangelical nationalists are now, you know, and country music fans are, um, posting i stand with jason aldean like they're putting this all over social media like because it's the new big like you know controversy in the news and somebody's uh response to this was jason aldean is not going to see your i stand with jason aldean post Mm -hmm. but the people who are going to see it are your neighbors and friends and community members of color you know so like Yep. Um, and they know exactly what the song means and you know exactly what the song means Mm -hmm. um and it's 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 idealizing this idea of like small town america right so america it like we have like it's it's a trope in country music you know mm-hmm. the call back to to small town america and you know that's where hard working people are you know the the is it blue collar? The blue collar yeah. workers and, you know, the backbone of America, people pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, the two, the white picket fence, two and a half kid American dream. Um, and, you know, this is sort of like the heart of America and like the heart of morality, mm-hmm. you know, like, and he's even, he says it in his song, good old boys raised up right, raised up right you know, with this small town morality, but you could literally replace the word small town with white. Yeah. Because this, this like idea, this picture that you paint in your mind, uh, it's a white town that they're talking about Mm -hmm. and it's white Christian, you know, social structures, uh, beliefs, morality, that, that religion, that definition of right versus wrong raised, who's to say, you know, raised up, right. What's right. Mm-hmm. White Christian, right. That's what exactly what he's saying. And so you're just, it, it's literally a white Christian nationalist anthem. It yep. is literally the definition of white evangelical nationalism and everything that we are dealing with right now. And I don't really care about Jason Aldean and I don't really care about his song. Like the individual song and his individual comments are not I mean, it's it's just one more tiny little drop in an ocean of this like white evangelical nationalist culture that is just completely normalized in America. Mm-hmm. Um, the book "The Flag and the Cross" by Samuel L. Perry, I think, mm-hmm. um, and maybe uh, Gorski. It's an it's an incredible book. I think they're like sociologists. And so they have this book full of statistics on white evangelical nationalism, or they, I think they call it white Christian nationalism. Um, and I, I personally prefer the term white evangelical nationalism right. because I do acknowledge that there are progressive forms of Christianity and um, less toxic, uh, you know, yeah. churches and things. <laughs> um, not evangelical though. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the evangelical nationalist white evangelical nationalist 
like sociological group that they study for the flag and the cross um they have a whole metric for like like it's a scale of like how white christian nationalist are you mm-hmm. and they ask them these people on this spectrum all the same sets of questions and it was a linear relationship like completely linear on um a whole bunch of issues i wrote some of them down so like slavery not being a central issue in the civil war um and the more christian nationalist you were the less you believe that slavery was a central issue in the civil war which is just ridiculous um and then they they had a bunch of these questions also focused on like covid and stuff so like um should we prioritize the economy over public health um if you are anti-vax if you trust donald trump more than scientists um or like how much you relate to like racist covid statements like the china virus and Mm. things um and every single one of them was a linear relationship (laughs) with white christian nationalism of course of course um but in this book what they talk about is kind of like the the undercurrent and like the heart of white christian nationalism which is exactly what this jason aldean song is just about is um i wrote this down somewhere it was freedom violence order Mm -hmm. right so they prioritize what they call freedom whatever their definition of freedom is um and they are justified in using violence to protect that freedom in order to establish law and order. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, you know, like a lot of the statistics in this book, but then also the way, like the history essentially of the inculcation of white evangelical nationalism into American politics, it, it's kind of like marketing. Like they have specifically marketed all of their culture war issues as freedom issues. And they'll mm. mostly they call it religious freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, you know, with COVID and stuff, they had like, you know, their medical freedom and like whatever. Um, but they frame everything, they market it as freedom. They market, you know, like is a is a football coach allowed, does he have the religious freedom to pray with his football students and the counter argument to that is do the football players have the religious freedom not to have to pray with their coach Mm -hmm. um and you know they rebrand that sort of stuff as religious freedom but like always in favor of white evangelical nationalism or conspiracy theories you know that's their religious freedom their freedom to believe whatever they want to believe uh conspiracy theories are now just religious freedom um, the irresponsibility and just evil of the anti-vax movement and like the, the refusal to wear masks and like all of that was rebranded as freedom. Um, you know, and then like the anti-LGBTQ, um, obviously is like just anti-trans, like these are such big issues right now, but then also just like openly racist bigotry as well because like again i'm from a small town so like (laughs) they were not hiding it when i grew up um it was reframed as well that's my religious freedom you know i don't believe in homosexuality or whatever it is um it's my religious freedom so you living your life is an infringement of my freedoms Mm -hmm. 
So it's freedom for us. And this is like a quote from the flag and the cross. It's freedom for us and violence and order for them. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it comes down to us versus them um, because why evangelical nationalism is just a totalistic ideology, which is essentially a cult. And they are, and this song is all about essentially that violence mm-hmm. and that law and order. We are justified in our violence mm-hmm. against the other in order to establish law and order. It's just, just, it's just wanting to have your cake and eat it too, you know, yeah. like basically getting to do whatever they want and then frame it as religion. It's just, it's just marketing. It's just how you advertise it. Because like I said, you could, you could, the counter argument is the religious freedom of people who are not Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the freedom to protest and the freedom <laughs> for like black lives matter protests and for people of color and for LGBTQ uh, individuals to exist, you know? Um, And just kind of a different rabbit trail to go down for a second is, you know, cause you have like this, like re this whitewashing of it's kind of American history. It's American culture. It's like, you know, just like what small town America is and saying that this is our, you know, idealized morality, white Christian morality, whatever, when that's not always the case. It's mm-hmm. just the white evangelical nationalist perspective of it. Um, and that's the bigger, the bigger picture, the bigger issue, but like, you know, more relevant to specifically just Jason Aldean um, is like this whitewashing of country music mm-hmm. and I'm not a country music historian or anything like that and I don't even really know like I'm not like a huge country music fan or anything but when I was growing up in a very small town uh, with a lot of like racist influences and things um, we were not allowed to really listen to music at all um, if we did we were allowed to listen to Christian music yeah. because it wasn't like satanic mm-hmm. and the only secular music that we were ever allowed to listen to was country music of course and because it was white people music. Mm-hmm. Um, it was and I'm wholesome. Pretty sure that, right. And I'm pretty sure that that was like explicitly said. Yeah. <laughs> like, or like we'd put on different music and they'd be like, that's black people music. We're not going to listen to that. Um, which is ju- just awful. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously. But I am regrettably quite familiar with country music. <laughs> because it was like the only thing that we could listen to growing up. Yeah. And uh, you know, when I was in middle and high school, that was all obviously post 9-11. Oh, and yeah. There was a huge shift. One, in just like, you know, the white evangelical nationalist messaging, um, but also specifically in country music post 9-11. Um, you know, we had this huge moment of like extreme like patriotism and like it's all about America and like um toby keith are you familiar with toby keith oh yeah um embarrassingly enough i uh i really enjoy country music Ah! (laughs) i'm a city girl i'm a city girl through and through but i think it's because it's so similar to like mexican regional music i mean everything country in the u.s was stolen from mexico just so everybody knows um (laughs) (laughs) your cowboy hats mine first bitch um (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, I am familiar with Toby Keith. <laughs> yeah, um, I hate that I kind of like Toby Keith. Um, <laughs> he like when I was like growing up, he was like one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, but you know his post 9-11 song I forget what the name of it is but it's like I'll we'll put a boot in your ass it's the American way yeah and you know like that was an absolute battle cry and it I I think it like fundamentally shifted country music like I mean Mm -hmm. it was always it was always there but like it it shifted it to white evangelical nationalism you know Mm -hmm. like the 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 good old boys are like white Christians Mm -hmm. and on white Christians without bachelor's degrees. Right. Um, <laughs> and that is a complete rewrite yeah. of the country music. I mean, that's always been around, like mm-hmm. there, that's always been there, but it was also mixed with like a much more nuanced, much more like progressive message. Um, Dolly Parton, number yep. one, Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash, uh, and the like the entire Highwaymen group. Mm-hmm. So, um, Willie Nelson, oh my god, I love Willie Nelson, a gem, um, Chris Christopherson, and Waylon Jennings. I think that they made mm-hmm. up like the Highwaymen. Um, they were borderline. I mean, if you listen to some of their interviews and like the lyrics of their words today, by today's standards, they are flaming liberals. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't think that they were at the time. They probably would not have considered themselves that, but that's just how far the, you know, the over right, they're outlaws. They're like, fuck the police in their own way. Yeah, like Johnny Cash. So Jason Aldean literally has a song called Johnny Cash. Of course he does. And I swear to God, like if Johnny Cash were alive today, he'd probably tell Jason Aldean to keep his name out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason, uh, Johnny Black's song, or sorry, uh, Johnny Cash's song, Man in Black, he literally says that he was famous, Johnny Cash was, for wearing all black mm-hmm. on stage, like for every performance. Um, and he literally said in his song, Man in Black, that he wore black. Um, for the poor and the beaten down and the prisoners mm-hmm. um, and that he would wear black until we started to like make progress um, and yeah I, he, he was never... all for prison abolition he performed I mean one of his live albums is at Folsom so it's he's you know super prison abolitionist yeah and I I really only looked into Johnny uh, cash to like talk about for this but I know that there were even older uh, country singers mm-hmm. who were very much like socialists yeah um there was one guy who was like a straight-up communist but i can't remember uh guthrie uh i think that was his name Mm -hmm. but uh you know there's quotes from an interview with all of the highwaymen where johnny cash says there's too much money being spent on the military and we should spend more on education welfare young people children and especially the elderly Mm -hmm. um and in that same interview and this was in 1991 chris christopherson said the lapdog media is cranking out propaganda for the administration being the george bush administration uh that would make nazis blush Mm -hmm. and back to johnny cash he said there's always been a lot of things wrong with this country but it's always been our obligation and opportunity to help straighten those things out i love america i love this country and i think that that so profoundly and succinctly just kind of captures the difference between patriotism and nationalism Mm -hmm. and that is that you accept that this is a flawed country like that there are problems and you love the country so you want to fix it you hold it accountable 
and you take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Whereas nationalism is literally, and there's a, there's a quote from Jason Aldean, um, which I may or may not have written down somewhere. Uh, yeah, where he, he tweeted out, this was like after him and his, his whole family, his wife and his like kids uh, posted a photo um, wearing a bunch of anti-Biden t-shirts. Of course. Um, his wife is like, number one, stunning. She's gorgeous. Um, <laughs> and she's like some sort of like influencer or whatever. And I was reading a bunch of articles about Jason Aldean and like his whole family. And somebody called his wife uh, Insurrection Barbie. And I think oh, that course. that was absolutely fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, but after his family posted this photo of like wearing a bunch of anti-Biden stuff uh, and there was a little bit of backlash, he like tweeted out or something. Uh, I will never apologize for my beliefs or my love for my family and country. It was literally not the issue, but okay. Mm-hmm. And this is the greatest country in the world and I want to keep it that way. And so there's the nationalism. This is the greatest country in the world and I want to keep it that way. It's like, as opposed to there are problems and it is our, not only our responsibility, but our opportunity to fix them. Mm-hmm. You know, like God bless trying to cash. And something else, just, I, I saw like another interview and I just thought that this was like so cool mm-hmm. was that, um, there was another interview with Johnny Cash where he's talking, asked, would you support a law potentially banning burning the, the U.S. flag? And he said he would potentially support that, um, that we shouldn't be burning the U.S. flag. Um, but then he kind of he made a joke. And then apparently he had he then repeated this joke at multiple shows saying, um, you know, I support your right to protest, even to burn the flag. Um, but you have the right to burn the flag. I have the right to carry firearms and if you burn my flag i'll shoot you Mm -hmm. and you know this is not sounding very progressive (laughs) (laughs) but there's an interview with like i think some of his bandmates or people who were on tour with him and they were talking about how he would make this joke on stage and um chris christopherson's small son apparently after a show one time uh copied him and said like oh i'll shoot you i'll shoot you and they were like, what are you saying? And he was like, well, that's what that's what Johnny Cash says. And Johnny Cash was like, well, son, you know, that's not right. And I won't say that anymore. No, you know, so <laughs> and then he never did. So, you know, like just the ability to to learn and mm-hmm. change and make progress. And like that, that's what the country music is supposed to be about. Um, and then, you know, this this callback to like small town America, what Aldine is doing is, you know, very racist, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, when there's also a much more complex history to that too. Um, you know, the term redneck, and I'm from small town Florida, my family, they're not real rednecks. They're, they're like, but they want to be, you know, they yeah, like wish they were, yeah. you know? Um, so they loved, loved, um, Who's the like the voice of Mater from Cars? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, they absolutely loved ca- <laughs> back when he was like at, at his peak. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Probably when I was like elementary or middle school, and then um, the you might be a redneck if jokes. You might be a redneck if you know you've ever stood outside barefoot and like whatever. And my family absolutely loved those jokes. Um, the term redneck comes as kind of like a derogative term against like poor white people Mm -hmm. who were out like working and getting sunburns on their necks from like doing manual labor and things. 
Um, but there was a massive kind of like campaign on that campaign, but like there's a, there's a complex history to it because, um, there's like Bible Belt Southern mm-hmm. and then there's like Appalachian Southern mm-hmm. and, and there's like Bayou Southern. There's like a million different types there's all, of Southern. There's all kinds yeah. of different Southern. Yeah. But, um, Appalachian Southern is a lot more like coal miners. Right. And when you think of that, you might think of unions mm-hmm. and, um, in the 1920s, there were the coal mine industry was just horrific for anybody who doesn't know. Like, um, they essentially like trapped people into indentured servitude by hiring these people to mm-hmm. work in the coal mines. Um, they would have you live in houses that, that the company owned. Um, and then they would pay you in monopoly money that you could only use at company stores. So you bought your food and all of your stuff from company stores. You lived in company housing. You could not leave. Mm -hmm. You didn't have any real money. And so, um, there was this, there were actually major, like they call them battles and wars, um, in the 1920s of tens and 20,000 workers, um, literally fighting, um, to, you know, unionize. Mm -hmm. And as a part of that history, they wore red bandanas around their necks and they essentially kind of tried to reclaim the term Mm -hmm. redneck um, to talk about unionizing and, you know, what my parents would call dirty commie socialism. Yep. So, (laughs) so there's that whole history to like rednecks and small towns and, um, you know, and I think that, you know, that's a little bit more Appalachian than Bible Belt Southern, but um, it's not just one picture of mm-hmm. middle America, you know, like, um, and that's what white evangelical nationalism is absolutely famous for is just oversimplification, right. you know, just boiling things down, dichotomizing them to like black and white, good and bad, us and them mm-hmm. um, when actually like the story is always much, much, much more complicated. And like, there's a deep history to things. Um, yeah. Like instead of rewriting the story of American small towns, a very storied and racist past that's evident all over history, we're just going to double down. We're just going to use these songs and this new mindset to just really double down and let you know that you're not welcome here. Yeah. And I think that, with everything that is happening now, you know, and I like, you know, I think there was like a huge shift in like post 9-11. Mm-hmm. You had like the the Tea Party Republicans, which mm. was like a big Christian nationalist push. And then just, you know, obviously since the Trump years, like we are dealing with a completely different animal. Yep. Um, just extreme, extreme radicalization. Um that it's demoralizing (laughs) one (laughs) um but they've they've found new new ways in this new environment this new era of misinformation and fake news and like mistruths and all these things like they've found new marketing strategies in order to to play the same old song you know the same old sundown town you know you're not welcome here but now they're just framing it as woke or they're framing it as um you know the 
post conspiracy theory like woke i mean mm. <laughs> they've got one word they're not i know <laughs> not too not too uh not too big on thesauruses <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so um yeah i mean it's always been fascinating to me because my family is from a small town in mexico and not like america's small town we're talking like hundreds of people small town mm-hmm. and maybe not even that like i haven't counted but when i go to my grandma's village i can i a disabled woman who does not like to walk is a lazy piece of shit and often can't walk um i can walk from one end of this town to the other the dirt roads like it's super small and this is not the mentality of mexican small towns like it's just and i don't think it's the mentality of many countries small towns you're just more rural and you have a different way of life and yeah maybe you don't identify with city goers but you're not like actively being malicious like these people are and in mexico there's plenty of diversity i mean we have black mexicans we have uh asian mexicans we have lebanese mexicans like we have quite a variety and i feel like they're ignoring the reason why in america so many people of color flock to cities and that's because we are the safest in larger numbers as evidenced by the history of these american small towns so you've insulated yourselves and now you're doubling down and it's like when they he talks about good old boys i'm like i feel like my dad is a good old boy like my dad is a wholesome man and growing up he taught me you can't be a cop because you're a christian and you cannot shoot people like violence is against what jesus taught so you can't be violent in any circumstance um granted that's a more extreme view like in christianity but i feel like it shouldn't be like i'm not an evangelical like my dad i mean he's latin so it's a little different but like yeah maybe a christian shouldn't be holding a gun because you know that's not what jesus taught (laughs) well and i think that that's like that's the difference between christianity and like white evangelical nationalism they they it's it's just marketing it's just they you know they use jesus as a mascot but it's not it's toxic theology and it's not it's not actually the teachings of jesus it's more the teachings of john locke you know individualism and this like american exceptionalism american nationalism with like some jesus seasoning but it's not the the meat of the meal you know um yeah and that's sorry you go no 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 i just like and i think that you know that's just how they they justify it that's how they have like the moral superiority is to say like oh well but but jesus um and like evangelicalism classic and classic anti-intellectualism classic oversimplification um where and that also comes down to like the american version of small towns with the anti-intellectualism um is i don't know if it's like a if it's an ego thing or what but it's just like you're not better than me because you have like a college degree or because you're smarter than i am um so you must be bad you know it's one or the other yeah, it's good it, or bad it's like this deep insecurity because i'm educated and i don't feel like i'm better than you as a part like as a, a human being on this earth i might think that i'm better than you because i have 
more altruistic beliefs, but like, I don't think that my humanity is inherently better than your inherent humanity. And yeah, I just feel like it's this insecurity. Like why, why are you so obsessed with those city folks? Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, and to do with like your dad saying, don't be a cop. Cause you can't shoot people and stuff. Like I, Oh my God. I like, I feel that so much because like being raised by white evangelical nationalists, like from birth, um, staunchly Republican, like Democrats were the devil. Um, I don't think I ever met a Democrat growing up. Didn't know them. It was like the boogeyman. Um, and so like, you know, we were, we went to church every Sunday, like obsessively. Um, I went to youth group at like a Southern Baptist church. So that's like hardcore evangelicalism. And, but at the same time, my parents were like obsessed like literally obsessed with crime and home invasions and the second amendment and guns. And it was like, they would sit around and like almost fantasize about somebody coming on their property. So they would get to shoot them. Like they would get to like enact this violence. Um, and basically to exercise this extreme moral superiority, you know, like in the absolute worst way possible. And I, and because I was literally like in this environment, just constantly told that like, you will be the victim of crime. Like if you, if you go into a big city, especially, um, you're going to get robbed at gunpoint. You're going, especially as a young woman in purity culture, like you are going to be sexually assaulted. If your skirt is one centimeter too short, like you are asking for it. Um, and so it was this weird dichotomy of maybe that's not the right word but of like when I get attacked because it's not an if it's just a win um self-defense is like profoundly against the evangelicalism that I was raised in because I'm a Christian and the person who is assaulting me is almost definitely not by my standards so if I exercise self-defense and I kill them they're going to hell so as like a 12 year old, I obsessed over this idea of like, well, then I should let them kill me because I'll go to heaven and they'll have a couple more years to hopefully like become saved. Like, oh my gosh, that is so cute. I mean, that's terrible, but like, <laughs> but I feel like that is such like, you took the words that were on the page so seriously. Yeah. Well, and I, I distinctly remember asking my mom about this because I was like, well, if I'm a Christian and I'm going to go to heaven, shouldn't we not use self-defense? Like, mm -hmm. shouldn't we just let them kill us? And um, she didn't have, a, I remember her not having a great answer. It like did not appease me as like a 13 year old mm -hmm. um, of her just saying like, well, it was their choice to you know, attack you or something. So like they deserve hell, which is like also <laughs> fundamentally evangelical to say that yeah. like anybody who like goes to hell deserves it, which is insane. Mm. Um, and so she, it was, it was just very much like a, let's stop talking about this. Um, you know, use your gun, honey. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's like being a city person from the hood. Like I know, what these people are talking about right but i will say that be living near compton everybody's scared of compton i can go to compton i'm not messing with people that i shouldn't be messing with like i go get my tacos 
I go get my chicharrones, I go grocery shopping, and then I leave. And it's that simple. Like, sure, there's random acts of violence, but it's not, you're not being targeted in, it's the same, like, anywhere in the world. Like, yeah, maybe somebody wants to rob a store and you happen to be in the way and they'll stab you real quick and then they'll leave. Sure. That's, I'm sorry, don't small town gas stations get robbed too? Like, uh, it's not unique to, like, city folk and again i feel so much safer going to a city than going to a small town like my dad dreams of going to montana because he loves wide open spaces and the idea of horses and all the stuff and he wants to go to the national parks but my dad fears for his safety going to those states where it's so rural because he's like i'm a Mexican man like he's a very Mexican looking man so it's like I'm I'm gonna be harassed I'm gonna get shot like I don't know what's gonna happen to me I can't go and how sad is that meanwhile I take my white ass partner who is six foot whatever and white as can be just a nice little cute little Mormon white boy he's white 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 I took him <laughs> to the village that everybody was fucking scared of because it's in Sinaloa and it's fine he slept in the village and everything was all Gucci. Nobody even looked twice <laughs> at him. Like, Well, and that's like, that's the, uh, the, like, that's like a whole nother part of it too, is that like, number one, I have never met any group of people who have lived in more fear than white evangelicals. And that is fear of everything. That is, that's fear of crime. And that's fear of, and then this is not to say that like crime does not happen and that it is like, it, it is very bad and like, you know, anybody who's a victim of like a crime or whatever, like, I don't want to like minimize any of that, but um, you know, white evangelicals are absolutely terrified of crime. They are terrified of anybody who is outside of white evangelicalism. Like, an, like I also was like told that like atheists were like evil and were like the people committing all the crimes were atheists. Um, and they're living through COVID and living through the QAnon conspiracy theory rise and everything like the, they are terrified of the vaccine of face masks of the government of you know this cabal of satanic elites that like doesn't even fucking exist they live in the most fear of anybody that I have ever met and it's all purposeful as a distraction basically um and again, that kind of comes back down to like cult psychology because you want to know who the bad guy is versus like if you don't know who the bad guy is, that's even scarier. So like it, mm -hmm. it's it's simplifying it down to like, okay, well, if you're not like me, then like you must be the problem. Um, even this cabal of satanic elites who doesn't exist, like it, at least they can say that they know who it is and like they know what to do about it. Um, and it also kind of like something that's like we've slipped into QAnon talk now. I'm sorry, but like something that's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> something that was absolutely fascinating about QAnon is that like the two groups, uh, the two like demographics of people that like went hardcore for QAnon, completely do not mesh. And it oh. is white evangelical nationalists and new age spiritualists and white evangelical nationalists fucking hate new age spiritualists yep. they think that they are all like hippy dippy like woo woo satanists and 
um, somehow they both kind of fell for the same thing. And it comes down to weirdly this individualism. Um, and there's this incredible book because obviously I am more familiar with white evangelical nationalist side mm-hmm. than the new age stuff. Cause like yeah. I really had no experience with new age things, but I have read a couple books about it. Um, conspirituality is a great one that just kind of came out it's from the podcast conspirituality and they are all like new age cult survivors and Mm -hmm. so they focus on the new age side of it the book divided by faith by michael emerson is about individualism and evangelicalism and um how he pulled a bunch of evangelical white evangelicals and black evangelicals um and was just kind of like trying to look at why there's such a divide why are there white churches and black churches and um what he found is that like overwhelmingly white evangelicals attribute all of the world's ills to individual problems and instead of systemic issues. So mm-hmm. like they, they say that like the problem is personal motivation over systemic discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when you obviously pulled people of color, it was obviously the opposite. Like, no, it's like systemic, like, you know, historical, generational wealth and mass incarceration and all of these systemic issues it's not just that we need to be nicer to our neighbor mm-hmm. um but for the white evangelicals and these totalistic ideologies by internalizing it you have more control you have more power um you, you're presented with like this existential fear of just existing and you are like, okay, well, you have the control and the power and you have all the answers and everything is absolute. You just have to be the, like, if you're a good person, good things will happen. If you're a bad person, bad things will happen. Mm. And from reading books like Conspirituality, the new age is very similar. And mm-hmm. that like, if you meditate, if we all meditate enough, just like by our personal inner thoughts and actions like we will change the external world Mm -hmm. if you didn't meditate enough today then you caused the tsunami that just happened halfway across the world Mm -hmm. um and it is so different from evangelicalism but it's also on that level so much the same yep um I forgot how we got here, but we were talking about crime (laughs) well I mean how Jason Aldean is scared of the city and um yeah uh, it's Let's go back to Jason Aldean, I guess, because that's what we started talking about. <laughs> oh, I, and sorry. Oh, sorry, no, I, I I did have like one more thing going back to Jason Aldean because like we were talking about um kind of at a heart of a lot of this is this anti-intellectualism. Mm-hmm. And it's just so typical. Like I have like hundreds of text messages from like everybody in my small town, like my family. And it looks exactly like the tweets from Jason Aldean. Like mm-hmm. they're using the same language. And like in the, in the quote that I read earlier about his response to the anti-Biden t-shirts, it was like, I will never apologize for my beliefs or my love of my family and country. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I will never apologize for my beliefs is because they have like elevated their opinions mm-hmm to like the significance of religious beliefs even though that's not actually the religion right um you know people were trying to use christianity as a religious exemption for like covid vaccinations Mm -hmm. and it's like that's like there's nothing in the bible that says yeah um you can't have a vaccine uh your religion is white evangelical nationalism yeah and 
but they would never say that because then that's like, no, they're Christians and they're the only kind of Christians, but they elevate their, their opinions to the significance of religious beliefs and they elevate that over information, like Mm -hmm. truth, education, um, you know, well, okay, you have this like really researched argument and you have like all of these statistics and like whatever it is. Um, but I believe this mm-hmm. and to them that is equivalent. Yep. And well, yeah. And this is why, like I talking about the person I'm trolling on my own Instagram video. Mm. Um, I don't like, they come at me and they're always like, oh, well, you're not even like backing up your what you're saying with like scripture and da 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 da. Oh my god. And I just kept repeating like I don't have to justify my beliefs to you. Like that's not what I'm here for. But also on the other end it's like you like I could tell they didn't even look at the Instagram because like they're t- they were th- this is a hilarious moment. They quoted the first Corinthian scripture that my podcast is named after the women speaking <laughs> in church. And I'm like this is what the podcast is about. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you didn't know internet stalking. You didn't even look for any information. And that is what I've kind of found. Because what I did was I clicked on your picture and your page is public. So I looked through and I was like, oh, this person, you know, like some people on Instagram are just like, oh, we're not, we're not smart, which is okay. We, not everybody has to be smart. We're not, we're, be, we're, regurgitating what we have been told in church especially because the people that argue me on the specific post are saying that like women shouldn't be allowed to speak in church or lead churches and stuff like that um and it was a funny video it wasn't like informational or anything it was just like a oh i may not judge you for like not liking women but other people are going to judge you that was a whole video and they really didn't like it it blew up way more than i thought it would and i'm just like I cannot in good conscience enter into a debate about beliefs with this person because one, I'm not going to change their mind and I'm not really all that interested Two, like, I know your argument. I know where you come from. Mm-hmm. I believed what you believed, not some, they're in the KJV cult. So not so much. They believe that <laughs> only the King James version is an accurate version <laughs> of the Bible. They didn't even okay. like, so much stuff like i did not offer information but this person offered so much information was not at all aware that they were just like building their own coffin because they were like well the bible was only in hebrew and the kjv was translated from the full hebrew and i was like hebrew the whole bible in hebrew they were not it was hilarious but yeah i couldn't enter into an argument with this person because one you're not going to change your mind and two like it's just not fair of me to do that to you on instagram like if you want to have a real conversation we can have a real conversation but you are so and this is like the theme with jason aldean and all these people right is that they're so deeply embedded in their beliefs that there's nothing i can do to bring you out of this cult because it is a cult yeah and i mean we talked about this on our last podcast together yeah Uh, well and like like we were saying before that it's like you know the whole like this whole image of like small town america it's whitewashing of like country music Mm mm-hmm it's also a whitewashing of like Christian history mm-hmm. and evangelicalism, white evangelicalism is completely built on, like predicated on um, biblical illiteracy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> that person believing 
that the entire Bible was like written in Hebrew and like all of that is just like so typical mm-hmm. where, and, and I get so mad. I get so mad about this. I'm so, I'm still so annoyed because, um, I was raised in this from birth. Yeah. You know, I went to a private Christian school. I went to Sunday church every single week. I went to youth group on middle of the week, every week, all of my friends were from, church and we in the summers I did bible camps and like all this stuff and you would think that after like 25 plus years of this that you would walk away from that much involvement with at least the equivalence of like an education you know like mm-hmm. every hours every week being literally taught like it, it they call it teaching and not knowing the basics because mm-hmm. it's not teaching it's indoctrination right it is it is not teaching And I have learned so much more about the Bible since deconstructing than I did in 25 plus years of, Mm -hmm. you know, being a staunch evangelical. Um, The idea that like, it's just like the the idea of the rapture is like, which is, which is a cornerstone, a cornerstone of white evangelical nationalism. It's a part of their like, you know, their absolutism and like the apocalyptic lore is like so important to this. Mm-hmm. Um, is not, it's not been around since, since <laughs> I don't know the exact year of like when it started, but it was like in like the 1700s or something. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it is so new. And the idea that like, and this is something too that I think about is that like I'm like a little bit obsessed with Soren Kierkegaard, who is a oh, philosopher. Yeah. Um, from 1840s Denmark Mm -hmm. and I've tried to read some of his philosophy books it went way over my head and I gave up it's Um, dense it's yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) I read a biography about him though and it was talking about like all of his different books and how they were written in reaction to another contemporary philosopher his like arch nemesis Mm -hmm. um philosopher uh I think his name was Hegel um and like one guy would write a book and then Kierkegaard would write a book back about it and then they'd go back and forth. So if you didn't have the context of the Hegel writings, you wouldn't fully understand the Kierkegaard writings. And this is just 1840s Denmark. This Mm -hmm. is much more historically relevant to us in a culture that we can understand a lot better than 2000 years ago in Mm -hmm. like the Middle East where they're speaking like three different languages. Um, you know, and so for them to say that, like, oh, we have a perfect understanding of, you know, all of these texts that were written in at least three different languages um, in a completely different culture 2000 years ago, when we couldn't even understand 1840s philosophers um, mm-hmm. is just ridiculous. And then specifically to the purity culture thing. And again, it's just it's all just it's it's whitewashing of history. It's an ignoring of history and oversimplification for their own benefit for the, the benefit of that ideology, because I read this book called Still Christian mm-hmm. by David P. Gushy. I don't know if you're familiar. Um, his books are great. He has one that is like specifically about like LGBTQ plus affirmation in the Christian mm-hmm. church and like um, kind of some apologetics on that. So like, I think that's what he's most famous for, but he has this other book called Still Christian, which is like kind of just like autobiographical. And he worked in extremely conservative Christian academia. Mm -hmm. So he went from like Bible college to Bible college and he was a Christian ethicist professor. And um, he 
in his in his biography, he talks about being a professor in the late 1990s into early 2000s and things. Um, so this is extremely recent history. Like this is yeah. like, you know, this guy is not old. And um, he's talking about how there was this cultural shift. And it was like before and then after 9-11 um, of in evangelical academia that pushed women out mm -hmm. uh, while he was there there were these coups that took place with like new uh presidents would come into the schools and um they would bring in like republican politicians as like speaking guests for students and things and they would um they passed rules saying that like women could not be preachers mm -hmm. And that very quickly led to women could not even be teachers um, because mm -hmm. it's a Bible college. So it's like, it's like biblical information, but like these women were credentialed professors who had worked for 10, 20 plus years. Uh, and they were suddenly removed from their position mm. just because they were a woman. Yep. And I was raised post, you know, 1990s purity culture to believe that that was the same Christianity as for the last 2000 years mm -hmm. that this like male headship complementarian Christian patriarchy has been unchanged since Jesus mm. when now. And I'm just like, Oh yeah, no, like that's like maybe 10 years old, you yeah. know, like, but I was taught that that was like from God, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, Cause Jesus did not differentiate when he was approaching people between man and woman. He did not save just men and people will, like talk about like all oh, the 12 apostles and I was like well maybe that was because it would have been weird for him to travel with women not that he didn't but i mean or maybe paul saying that women shouldn't speak in church is because um women were uneducated so they kept interrupting and so or maybe it was to keep them safe because men wouldn't like in that culture that they spoke up in church or whatever 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 right like we mm -hmm. have to look into the history of this all because it's also not our culture this is not white america in this bible like mm -hmm. this is the people that you don't like from the middle east so i don't know like what you think <laughs> that you can identify with here but it's yeah it's small town america doubling down is furthering this divide that Dolly Parton is talking about, right? Like, cause she's, and yeah, we have like the example of Dolly Parton who has done the work and people like Johnny Cash, they've done the work to help call attention to these things. I mean, Dolly Parton hated that she didn't have books as a kid. So what does she do? She gives books away by the millions. Like how that oh is what her faith has led her to do. Her faith led her to build Dollywood and like give jobs to all these people. Like this is what her faith, has deemed as the right and good thing to do, not sing songs about shooting people up. Mm -hmm. And like, let's talk about sucker, the first line of sucker punch somebody on the sidewalk. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was Nazis. So we're not supposed to hate Nazis now? You don't want me to punch a Nazi? Like that's the whole punching people on the sidewalk thing. Okay, uh, carjacking old lady at a red light. I have never heard of that. Like. <laughs> Maybe yeah. like in a, oh, they could, but like your car is locked. I don't know. Like, it's just not. Well, well and that's like, that's the other thing. To, like, that's just like class. Like, this is not, this yeah. is not, this is like from the my childhood with like the fear mongering of crime mm -hmm. with my parents and stuff is like, they'll take these like isolated events 
anecdotal evidence and then they'll just say like oh this is like a you know carjacking old ladies is like and and again like there is real crime and like i'm sure that there have been old ladies who have had their cars jacked and stuff and i don't want to diminish that but like they're saying that it's like this that all everybody who is in it everybody who is pro blm is carjacking little old ladies yeah you know like that's that's the underlying message whether they want to admit it or not and Mm -hmm. oh my god i like i fucking love dolly parton um she so jason aldean actually did win the 2022 uh artist humanitarian award (laughs) Um, that's funny (laughs) because he donated something or no 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 he raised something like two million dollars for some children's hospitals and then like uh raised like 4.1 million dollars over the last of the over the course of like several years um for Mm -hmm. breast cancer research and stuff which is all excellent things to do great things to do good job um (laughs) You know, but I mean, like he has a net worth of like ninety million dollars. Yeah. You know, so like I feel like it's the least he can do. Number one, especially because uh, it's then, not out of his own pocket if he's raising the money. I very specifically like looked at the wording on that, mm-hmm. and it, I'm pretty sure that it just said like raised, so it was like from from maybe like sale of his tickets and things. But like, and again, it's a good thing to do. Dolly Parton, however, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she single-handedly with her imagination library has given away over 100 million free children's books mm-hmm. um donated and again it was donated mm-hmm. not like raised donated a million dollars to like a bunch of different hospitals mm-hmm. um like multiple times and donated a million dollars to covid vaccine research mm-hmm. god bless you dolly parton um mm-hmm. and like single-handedly dropped the high school dropout rate in her county from 35 to 6 percent because she like mm-hmm. gave away a bunch of scholarships and like just like a bunch of like financial and like just gave away money 500 to like every high school graduate in in her county um, yep that's what you should be doing with your money if you come from a quote-unquote small town jason aldean meanwhile going back to jason aldean um who is not from a small town um <laughs> <laughs> uh he's a trash he's a trash person mm-hmm. uh after 2015, you may recall, there was a mass shooting at the Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, um, which was a white supremacist shooting. The guy mm-hmm. uh, like was explicitly white supremacist. And immediately after that, uh, I feel like it was kind of the, the the biggest push that we've had in recent years to drop the Confederate flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nikki Haley, who was the governor of South Carolina at the time, did actually drop the Confederate yeah. flag from our courthouse um or sorry capitol building um which is like good disturbing that it was still flying in 2015 but Mm -hmm. good um and a bunch of people like dropped the confederate flag after 2015 not jason aldean Mm. jason aldean like consistently continued to wear things with the confederate flag on them like on stage during performances with the confederate flag um he sold i think in as late as like 2018 he sold an official tour shirt that had the confederate flag on it so like if you went to one of his concerts that was like the shirt that you could buy um he has since frequented mar-a-lago um basically like every year goes to the trump's new year's party um has like not like been a huge advocate but has dropped thing like hints and things that were like voter fraud conspiracy theory stuff and anti-mask conspiracy theory stuff and he's not the only country singer to do this right um but we're talking about him (laughs) but but, you know jason aldean um and then i guess in like 2015 he like went 
in blackface as little Wayne for Halloween. Of so like, you know, so like when you're talking about try that in a small town and see how far you'll make it down the road. And like you cross that line, it won't take long for you to find out. It was like, number one, ugh, n- number one, um, who decides where that line is? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it sounds like it's just the, the white Christian patriarchy, yeah. <laughs> but um they really rely on, and this is very similar to like a lot of the conspiracy theory stuff, um, but they really rely on this like plausible deniability. And like, these are dog whistles. Like the, cons- like they think that they're clever when they're not. Right. Um, and, you know, you, you, you don't get the uh, benefit of the doubt when you're wearing Confederate flag t-shirts, you know, like, nope. it, like, okay. Like, you know, it, if Dolly Parton made a comment similar to this, you'd be like, maybe we're misinterpreting it or something. Um, but there, there, there's no benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. when you're uh, going in blackface to Halloween, hanging out with Donald Trump and uh, wearing Confederate flag t-shirts uh, with, a, with a massive platform. So mm-hmm. like, no. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, friends, all that to say, Jason Aldean is not from a small town, so he has no business recording the song. Um, and he sucks and we don't like him and the song is racist and blah 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 anyways do you have any final thoughts for us Sinane? as a small town american i am a small town american i am a redneck um (laughs) (laughs) that's right uh no just um i as always i like to plug my website because it's taking off the tinfoilhat.com I have all of my reading recommendations um, and those books do a much better job of explaining everything than I possibly could. So um, please read everything that I've read. Take it off <laughs> the tinfoilhat.com. Yeah. And you have an Instagram. Uh, yes. Also taking off the tinfoil hat on Instagram. It's very fun. And if you go to the website, it'll take you to the TikTok and the Instagram. Yeah. All right, friends. Well, you heard it here again, not first, because everybody's talking about this, but <laughs> this shit sucks. Um, and thank you so much this has been very informative i love having you on because you have notes and you're just like an academic and i love it (laughs) that's extremely generous (laughs) (laughs) i mean much more academic than jason aldean i'll say that how about i'll take that yes i am (laughs) (laughs) all right friends well as always you can find us at speaking in church on instagram you can find me at josie takes the world but it's all yarn and dogs so you know do without what you will i talk shit too but I talk most of my shit on the Instagram for the podcast. Um, we have merch. We have a tip jar. All that is on the Instagram link in bio. Classic. And as always, and more so today than other days, uh, stay woke or get woke, please. God. Um, and small town America, I love you, but I'm scared of you. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>